So, John, for chapter 9 from verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will become will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So let me pray. Let's, um, let's turn to the passage. Father God, we want to see Jesus clearly. Lord, whatever it gets in our way, whether it's just inattention or preconceptions, or maybe we just think that we see clearly when we don't, we ask you to take it away this morning and we would see Jesus more clearly. So, in his gospel, Jesus records seven signs. Um, he turns water into wine, we've seen that one. Uh, he heals a royal official's son. He heals at the pool of Bethesda. He feeds 5,000 people. You know that one well. He walks on water. Uh, he heals the man born blind, uh, as we see there. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. So the, the word in red is coming up on your word search that was sent um, by email and on WhatsApp. So you get the usual sermon notes. They're out there if you want them. Uh, try to get them the day before, though it was quite late last night. Uh, before you got these notes, but, but they're there if you want to use them this morning. So John in his gospel records these seven signs, these seven miracles that Jesus did, just the seven. Um, why just the seven? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? But at the end of the book, John tells us why he's reading, uh, he's telling us just these seven. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So he's very clear at the end, I've just given you seven. But these seven are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. Notice the sequence. Jesus uh, performs the signs. Um, the signs point to Jesus' identity. Uh, he's the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, his identity invites you to believe. And when you believe, you can have life in his name. And the seven claims to identity are, are this, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the gate for the sheep, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection and the life, and I am the way and the truth and, and the life. And some of the seven signs relate directly to the seven uh, I am statements, and some of them don't. So today's clearly does. Jesus says, um, in the context of this, healing the man born blind, I am the, the light of the world. And this is what a gospel is. It's, it's history. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an account. It's a true account. But it's an account with a persuasive purpose uh, to persuade you uh, who Jesus is. So, um, oh, I'm, I'm the true vine. So signs point to identity. Identity advice belief. Uh, belief. Um, gives life. 
Uh, let's pick out the, the, the points of today's story. Um, we start with this question, um, who sinned? Uh, so the background to this is that Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles. And they meet this um, man who's been blind from birth. Now, for Jews, uh, personal suffering of this kind was a sign that somebody uh, had sinned. But this man's been blind all his life. So the question is, who has sinned? Um, is, it, is it the man um, or is it his uh, parents? And that's what the disciples ask, who sinned? Uh, this man or his parents, a bit of a theological teaser. Did he somehow sin in the womb or did his parents sin and, and somehow it's being passed on to him? And, and Jesus is clear that it's neither. If they're looking for a deeper uh, meaning in this, it's this. This is a moment, he's blind, so that in this moment, God's power can be demonstrated and Jesus can show who he is. And Jesus heals this man in an unusual way. Um, he makes uh, a mud pack with some saliva, he spits on the ground. When a word would do, he's, he's done miracles just by speaking uh, in the past. And this time he, he makes a mud pack, he puts it on the man's eyes, and then he sends him um, to this pool of Siloam, which means sent. And John uh, notices that, and he draws attention to that, so it must mean something. Why does he do it in this way? I think two reasons. One, he's inviting this man, uh, he's inviting his participation. He's inviting the man uh, to make an act of faith. He could have just healed him on the spot. He wouldn't have needed to do anything. But by putting the mud on his eyes, he says to them, you go and you wash it off. The man has to go in faith. He could maybe just go home and wash it off. But Jesus says, no, go to this pool. And I think the other thing Jesus is doing, he's inviting the man to accept authority the man will maybe make this connection later on that uh, being a believer being somebody who, who trusts jesus uh, involves doing what he says and uh, ultimately being uh, sent by him so the man does what was asked um, he, he went home the man went and washed we read um, and he came home singing amazing then we get a bit of uh, a bit of banter his neighbours say, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others say, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How can you see? They asked him. He replied, the man they call Jesus, made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go and wash, so I washed and then I could see. I don't know why these friends or people who surround him take him to the, to the Pharisees but they do um, maybe it's a little bit like uh, in the current uh, day Catholic Church they have to investigate uh, miracles before somebody can be called a, uh, a saint but as John points out it was it was a Sabbath and, and Jesus has broken it uh, according to the Pharisees rules anyway he's broken it in three ways firstly he healed it wasn't permissible uh, to heal on the Sabbath that was work uh, unless life was in danger. He's needed. Um, he's kind of by, by making some mud, he, he's done what was considered needing, as he would when you made some bread. Um, and that's expressly forbidden. And thirdly, 
Um, he's anointed a man's eyes. And some of the strict, stricter teachers said, you can't anoint anything on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees, some of them at least, conclude that Jesus is a sinner. He, he's broken the Sabbath. And others say, well, nobody can do signs like this unless he's from God. And, and so they're divided. And they go back to the man and they say, what do you say? And at this point, the ex-blind man says, he's a prophet. It's moved on in his understanding. Pharisees turn their investigation to the man's parents. Now, maybe it takes a while, I would presume, to go and fetch them. Um, they confirm that this is their son born blind, but they're pretty reluctant to get involved because they're fearful uh, of getting kicked out of the synagogue. They asked the man again what really happened. And he said, I was blind, but now I see. He just really tells them the bare bones, um, the facts of what has happened since he has met Jesus. And of course, you can do the same. And they say, tell us again. And he says, why? Do you want to become his followers? Uh, and they say, we're Moses' followers, and we don't know where this man comes from. And he says, well, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who do his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If, that, if this man were not from God, he, he could do nothing. The sign confirms the identity. But the meaning is clear. The, the, the man born blind, he sees. He sees physically now um, with his eyes, but he sees spiritually too. Um, he sees who Jesus is. If he were not from God, he could do nothing. The Pharisees, they have physical sight, but they can't see the spiritual truth um, in front of their noses. Um, their own preconceptions are keeping them in the dark. And I wonder whether this story starts to ring bells. It ought to. Um, has the light dawned for, for you? I presume it already has if you're a Christian today. You should know that we're all born uh, spiritually blind. We're all, um, as Paul would put it, um, people who, uh, when we were born, neither glorified God or gave thanks to him, but we're in our thinking futile and our hearts were, were dark and we're all born with hearts uh, in the dark. We're all born spiritually blind. And we cannot heal um, our own blindness. We cannot somehow uh, work our way to God uh, by moral effort, somehow uh, see him more clearly. If we do that, then we've underestimated our, our spiritual predicament. They think that they're spiritually okay. And because they do, paradoxically, they don't actually see the light that is in front of them. If we don't uh, grasp that we're born spiritually blind, then we underestimate our predicament and we're, danger, we're in danger of staying blind and not seeing what is uh, in front of our eyes. The other truth that our blindness, um, our blindness to, to God, that uh, is because of sin. Uh, a bit like um, Isaiah said to, to Israel, your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Um, our blindness, the blindness that we're born with, um, is because of sin, because we're all born uh, sinners as the parents of sinners. And we have to get them to this point of 
seeing the signs and trusting in Christ. And when we do that, it is he who, it is God who opens our eyes to who Jesus is. So we see the signs. At some point, I trust in the past, you, you've, you've seen the signs, you, you, you've read the gospel, and you've seen what Jesus has done. And, and in that process, it is God who opens our eyes, who, who says, let light shine out of darkness into our hearts and made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In other words, it takes a work of God, it takes another miracle um, for the eyes of our hearts to be opened and for us to see that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, he is God the Son. He is God in person. So if that's something you've never done before, I wonder whether that's something you're ready to do today. Um, put your faith in Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself said to another man who came to him in darkness, in literal darkness, came to him at night, Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish um, but have eternal life. But there's another side to that, isn't it? Um, this man is ready to trust what Jesus um, says and goes and washes, but he's also got to be ready uh, to make Jesus Lord, um, to do what he says. How about you? You've never done it before. Today's a good day to put your faith in him. If you've already put your faith in him, are you making him Lord? Are we doing day by day um, what he says, what he asks us to do? Um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus says, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We don't earn being right with God by the things that we do. We show by the things that we do that we've received God's grace. This man goes on an interesting journey of faith. He calls him the, the man Jesus. He shows us a path which we can follow. And we have to move from calling, just looking at Jesus and saying, yes, I'm aware of him and who he is. He says that he's a prophet. He recognises Jesus is doing supernatural things. There is something more going on. But eventually he realises that he is um, from God. And then when he meets Jesus again, Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, who's that? And Jesus says, it's me. He believes that he's the Son of Man and he worships him. I, I think that's a really unusual thing that's happened there. Now, as far as we can tell, here is Jesus and the man. They're one-to-one -one, um, on the street and the man worships him. So here's, I think, my key question for today. We, we've been in some very strange times um, where we can't meet as a church um, and it grieves us and it maybe it undermines our faith. Um, are you able to worship one-to-one, -one, a little bit like this man worships Jesus one-to-one -one, um, on the street? Can you worship Jesus in all of your actions? Can you worship Jesus in this context um, as it is now? So how clearly are you seeing Jesus? Is this time where we're distanced, physically distanced, 
um, making it harder for you to see who Jesus is. But if you need to, go back to go back to square one, follow the signs, ultimately to the resurrection, and be re-persuaded that Jesus is who he says he is. He's God in human form. If you're finding it hard to see him clearly, just admit your predicament to him again. Uh, Jesus knows. He knows where we're at. And read and trust and then put it into practice. But where there is no worship, there is no sight. In other words, if you think you're seeing Jesus clearly, but it doesn't at the end of the day work, work out in you worshipping him personally, one-to-one, -one, then your sight is not clear, and maybe your eyes is not as open as you first thought them to be. So I encourage you, I challenge you, I found it a challenge, um, to go back and work out how am I going to worship Jesus one-to-one uh, -one in, my, in my own time. Uh, maybe as a challenge to worship uh, God as a family. Uh, these are things maybe we, we've, not, we've not wrestled with before. Well, let's wrestle with them now and let's ask God to help us. Let me pray briefly. Lord Jesus, we want to see you clearly as we read your word again. Will you please come alive to us off the page afresh by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts? Lord, we want to worship you. Forgive us if our worship has only been Sundays. We ask you to help us worship you as families. It's a big challenge. We ask you for the even bigger challenge. Uh, to go away, even today, find some space and worship you, tell you who you are, thank you for what you've done, and praise you for your promises. Amen.